Hello, 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 my amigos. Are you ready to break some bread? I love these expressions. Even though I'm not a religious person, I love the symbology behind this idea of bread. It's money. It's food. It's a sacrament. Remember, in the Catholic Church, the communion. But it's not limited to just Christianity. All different religions use bread. Now, the French take their bread very seriously as well. We already said the Germans are the king as far as different varieties. But in France, by law, a bakery has to make all the bread it sells from scratch. Desde cero. Yeah, that's right. If not, you can't call yourself a bakery by law. Now, if you guys have ever been to their bakeries, you'll see that the standard is very high. They have set the bar, el listón, muy alto. And not just with bread, but their pastries. Oh, man. But we'll save pastries for another episode because we didn't even get into croissants, which I guess you can consider bread as well. But if you take away all the bells and whistles and you just break it down to its least common denominator, what is bread? What are the core or key ingredients if you want to make a loaf of bread? Well, there are four ingredients. That's right. You'll need flour, as we said before, es harina. No se pronuncia flour, sino flour, como la palabra flor. Then you'll need yeast, of course. The dough needs to rise. Yeast es levadura. Then, of course, water. Don't forget about water. And some salt if you want it to have flavor. And remember, it's not salt, it's salt. So that's it, four ingredients. Now, most people make it with other ingredients. Some add milk, some add eggs. There's no wrong way to make bread if it tastes good. But those are your four main ingredients. And you can add all kinds of things, seeds to the top, coloring or different flavors to change the characteristics of the crumb. And the crumb is that inside part. Oh, let's be honest. That's the best part of the bread. In my house, we have fights. Now, don't get confused, though. Crumb es una bermuda, is the inside of the bread. And the crumbs are las migas. And the crust is the outside. Is anybody else getting hungry over here? Well, I looked up some tips. If we're going to make some bread, which, hey, it's a hobby now. People like cooking, and I personally enjoy cooking. But the couple times I've tried to make bread, I failed miserably. And when I worked at a pizzeria, when I saw my family do it at Minardi's, I said, it looks so easy, but it isn't. It's like a tortilla española. 
Is it easy to make? I didn't think so. Yeah, there are just a couple ingredients, but you've got to get everything just right. So here's a little tip with the flour. Now there are a lot of different flours on the market. You've got ones that are all purpose, but there are ones that are specifically made for bread. And bread flour, what it does is produces a stronger, chewier bread and it less airy, no? Con menos aire y más que te hace masticar. Now, I, I prefer these chewier, stronger breads. So, you're going to want to use bread flour because you'll get a totally different outcome. Now, as I said, I'm no expert here, but I'm going to talk to our friend, one of your fellow students, Ariadna. She is my wife's cousin, and she makes fresh bread. And, man, when I look at her uh, her Twitter feed, I am telling you, I just want to eat my phone. So, hey, maybe I'll propose that idea to her. If you're listening, Ariadna, why don't we do a video in English together making bread? And we can teach the patrons and you could teach me how to make bread. Hey, me and my crazy ideas. Who knows? It could be a lot of fun and yummy too. Uh, next up, the salt. Obviously, there are tons and tons of types of salt out there. Himalayan salt. But what they recommend is coarse salt. Sal gorda, I think you would say. Coarse sea salt. Because regular table salt, well, it doesn't have as much flavor as those salts. And all of that will be reflected in the final taste of the bread. Now, water. Water's another thing. Again, why do you think New York pizza is New York pizza and the bagels are only made that way in New York? Sure, water is such an important thing. Well, think about it, guys. If there are four ingredients, I think all four of them are important. Let's go back to the tortilla. If you make it with the wrong potatoes or the wrong eggs or the wrong oil, is it a tortilla? I didn't think so, see? So, of course, you can use water. You have to use water or milk, but you should use warm water, but not too warm. And the reason why is warm water, what this does, it makes the yeast work faster. Hace que la levadura funcione más rápido. It starts to rise faster. And if you use cool water or room temperature water, uh, the problem there is the, the dough takes longer to rise, but the better the flavor. So, you see, everything is a trade-off in life. Todo es un, un poco de un intercambio en la vida. So, if you're patient, you should make the water a little bit cooler. Either way, According to the article I read, they said 21 degrees Celsius is perfect. So get out your thermometers if you want to make perfect bread. But also, just like everything, isn't it a matter of trial and error? Prueba y error. The first time you made your, your favorite dish, your specialty dish, do you make it the way you make it now? No, it was probably bland. Bland, so-so, uh, insipido. And as you went, you know, learning and trying, oop, menos aceite, you get, you really learn how to make something amazing. 
but everything is a learning process. And forgive me if I bring this right back to English. How do we learn how to speak English? By trying, making mistakes, trying again, trial and error and experience. It's really the only way, hands-on experience. And hands-on experience means hacerlo. No, no solo leer como hacerlo, pero hacerlo. I guess that's why I proposed that idea with Ariadna. Because if you watch us make the bread and, uh, well, we learn all the vocabulary in English, I think it could be a win-win. A win-win-win, I should say, for me, for Ariadna, and for you guys. Now, here's another thing, too, because some people, and I think most people, like their bread to be a little bit crustier, a little bit chewier, less airy. Well, the trick to that is the less fat in the dough the crustier and the chewier the bread will be. And that's called lean dough. Then we have what's called rich dough. And rich dough is the key to a soft bread. And that is because of the presence of fat. So that's when you add butter or eggs, you get that richer dough. But again, that depends on which way you wanna go. Try it. Maybe add one egg, then add two eggs next time, and keep trying until it tastes exactly how you want it to taste. Another thing, bread changes its taste. What? It becomes sweeter the longer you chew on it. So as your saliva, your spit, starts to break down the starch, I think you say almidon, it starts to break it into sugars. And sugars are what? Sweet. So keep chewing. If the bread isn't sweet enough, keep chewing. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a look at some fun facts to chew on. And something to chew on is algo que pensar, algo que darle vueltas, something to chew on. <laughs> Did you like my joke? Okay, it wasn't that funny. Let's take a look at some fun facts. The first one is that bread was very important in the Egyptian civilization. It was used as a type of currency. Esto es divisa, dinero. I already mentioned it, but I said we were going to go into more detail. And to them, it was so important that they would often place it, colocarlo, at the tombs of their dead. Si, me has oído bien. So now we bring flowers and maybe you bring a little something special, you know, a, uh, a heart made out of glass or some picture frame, you know, some kind of something with special meaning. But for them, they would bring bread because for them, bread was money. Hence, y por eso, to this day, we say bread. Oh man, I can't go to the festival. I don't have any bread. No tengo pasta. I don't have any dough, as we said before. Now, the ancient Egyptians, that wasn't their only use for bread. They would also use moldy bread as a treatment for infected burn wounds. So, lesiones de quemadura, they would use moldy bread. Does this sound familiar? Antibiotics? Alexander Fleming? So they say Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin, but the Egyptians, man, they were way ahead of their time. 
they already knew that that bacteria had some kind of healing properties. Those Egyptians, they're in everything. Scandinavians revere bread as well. It's one of their traditions. They have this superstition that if a boy and a girl eat from the same loaf of bread, they are bound to fall in love. Destinados. They are bound to fall in love. So, hey, if you want somebody to fall in love with you, why don't you share a sandwich with them? <laughs> hey, that could be romantic. Why not? A picnic, some sandwiches, a bottle of wine. Is anybody with me? Occasionally, I like to add these really odd fun facts. And remember the word odd is raro, raro, raro. Yeah, this. Now, you guys know these bread clips? They're very famous. Uh, the things I never put back on. Now, you've, I'm not talking about the twisty ties. Los que hay que girar. Que son de alambre. They're made of wire. I'm talking about the plastic ones. You know those ones that you, you kind of clip onto the bread bag? Well, those U-shaped pieces of plastic, con forma de U, those U-shaped pieces of plastic are produced by one family-owned company in Washington, in the United States. And the first one they made, now talk about innovation here, was carved from a credit card. And they said, well, how do we use, how do we reuse, recycle these credit cards? And somebody said, well, cut it and we can kind of use it to clip something. And the guy said, well, what should we clip? And he goes, well, that bread over there, it's going to get stale if we don't close it. And they said, wait a second. And hence the quick Lock Corporation was born. And the company exports billions of these a year. Some would say they have a complete monopoly on U-shaped pieces of plastic that keep the bread bag closed. <laughs> I don't think there's any short way to say it. I guess you could say the, the bread bag clips if you'd like. We talked about some of the other uses of bread to cure people, but another one was to erase things. When they would write things in graphite, they would take a rolled up piece of bread, rolled up is envuelto, and when they needed to erase what they had written, they would take that rolled up piece of bread and they would use it as an eraser. Now, obviously, this predates the invention of the eraser. And be careful with that word, because in the United States, it's called called an eraser. In British English, it's called a rubber. In my country, a rubber is um, a prophylactic, que también es otro false friend, right? A lot of breads have preservatives. What? Preservativos? Another false friend. Yeah, a preservative is un conservante. Hey, you got to be careful with these false friends. They're everywhere, even in your loaves of bread. Another fun fact that I was totally unaware of was that the Great Fire of London was started 
at a bakery. Now, it was unintentional, but it was Sunday, September 2nd, 1666, and it was a bakery located on Pudding Lane. Qué nombre más chulo. Eh, la, la carretera de las natillas. Pudding Lane. And Baker Thomas Farner's Bakery went up in flames. And that started or sparked what would be known as the Great Fire of London. Uh, I didn't, I mean, of course I was familiar with the fire, but I didn't remember that it started in a bakery. And British people aren't the only ones who love bread. Americans, for example, we consume an average of 53 pounds of bread per year. In kilos, that's 24 kilos of bread. That's a whole lot of bread. And now we're going to change gears and I'm going to tell you where my love affair with bread began. Now it's kind of hard to stay away from bread if your family owns a bakery. And we all know there are few smells on earth like the smell of fresh bread coming out of the oven. And I would smell it every weekend. Either my father would bring it home because he would stop by the bakery or my uncle would bring us some bread or my grandma. I mean, there was bread everywhere, everywhere you looked and many different kinds. We had French bread, Italian bread. My family even made a special bread that they would make in Reyes around the Easter holiday. No, wait, is it Easter? I always get confused. Well, it's a bread called St. Joseph's bread. Yeah, it was Easter because the the bread is like a sweet bread and it has an Easter egg in the middle of it. So my family, they didn't just make Italian bread. They made every kind of bread under the sun before it was popular. I'm telling you, they were ahead of their time. And then on the third floor, which was the top floor, they had a floor where they made wedding cakes. It was incredible to watch these bakers do their work. They were artists as they put that icing on the cake, which reminds me of the expression, the icing on the cake, la guinda. So it was so much more than just a bread bakery. And as I said, people would come in off the street and buy pastries and bread, but we also delivered to every major restaurant and supermarket in the area. It was huge. And you're probably wondering, why I'm talking in the past tense. Well, you know what? I think I can't put it into words as well as this article I found when I was preparing the episode. This is an article from 2011, and I'm just going to read it to you, and you will find out the fate of Minardi Baking Company. Again, let me remind you, this company was started by my great grandparents, Papa Minardi and Mama Minardi. That's what we called them. 
and they were my grandma, my grandma Grace. They were her parents. So then her brothers took over the bakery and then their sons took over the bakery. So three generations, that's 84 years. But all right, let me, let me get to the article. It sums it up a lot better than I can. Minardi Baking Company, a third-generation Italian bakery that had been in Patterson, New Jersey for 84 years, this week closed its doors. It merged with a larger bakery and moved to Denville. Family members, that's my mother's uncles and her cousins as well, Family members said rising operation costs, including skyrocketing property taxes, los impuestos sobre la vivienda, and skyrocketing es que se disparan, increased health care premiums, and the price of gasoline for its fleet of trucks forced them to merge and relocate. So they're not at the old location, and obviously they're not called Minardis. They merged into another bakery, but they still have certain biscotti and certain products that have my great-grandmother's name on them, or as we say, they bear my great-grandmother's name, and that makes me proud to this day, and they're called Mama Minardi Biscotti. You'll see them. I'll share all this stuff on Patreon, as I always do, just to give you some more, a little behind the scenes, and I'll share this article that I read from as well. And then John Minardi, who's my mother's cousin, said, it was a very difficult decision, said John Minardi, a third generation baker who said the family discussed it at length. Que lo hablaron muchísimo, pero there was no solution except to merge and to try and get the money before they went bankrupt. The good news is the story has a nice ending. The Minardi legacy will live on forever, and Mama Minardi's name graces the packaging of many amazing biscuits, as the British would say, or cookies, which... It just made sense to me why the British call them biscuits. Biscotti? <laughs> See, in the United States, if you say biscuits, you're either thinking of dog treats or you're thinking about these panecillos salados that are called biscuits as well. And honestly, I have so many amazing memories. I can still smell that smell that it was six o'clock in the morning because of course you got to deliver the bread early. So that means you got to make it even earlier. So at four o'clock in the morning, that bakery was in full swing. It was hustling and bustling. I think probably at its height, including drivers and everything, they probably had 150 employees. So it is definitely a legacy bakery. And I am proud to come from those Minardis. And now I wanted to take a look at some idiomatic expressions. And this is an interesting sentence I'm going to say now. I want you to tell me what you hear. I need the dough. What did I just say? I need the dough. 
Puede ser necesito la pasta, la masa. Puede ser necesito el dinero, as we said, dough or bread. Or I need the dough, K-N-E-A-D, que es amasar. <laughs> hey, it's a good way to remember it. Uh, some other expressions. The upper crust. We already talked about the outside part of the bread being crust. Well, the upper crust means high society in English. It means people with a lot of money. And as we've seen, it's always been tied to socioeconomic status. It's been used as money. And that's why we say when somebody calls the house and says, Who's the breadwinner? I remember that one when I was a little kid. When these telemarketers, estos pesados que te llaman por teléfono, siempre a la peor hora, and they would say, may I speak to the breadwinner? Esto es la persona en la casa que gana la pasta. The person who brings home the bacon. Now, you know what I would answer? Which one? ¿Cuál? Because both of my parents are bringing home our daily bread. Y ahí tenéis otra, nuestro pan de cada día. Another one I love too is my bread and butter. So I do a lot of different projects. But Vaughn Radio, the show with no name, is my bread and butter. Es lo que me da de comer. Es lo esencial. Now I know in Spain... It's bread and olive oil. And that's one of the first things you'll notice, too. When you go to a restaurant, you'll, uh, you'll sit down over here and they'll bring you some bread, a bread basket, and some olive oil. And in the States, unless it's an Italian restaurant, they're going to bring you butter. And we're going to wrap up with one of my favorite expressions. It's the best thing since sliced bread. Esto significa es la bomba. Es mejor que la Coca-Cola. O triunfa como la Coca-Cola. Vaya invento. Now, I know, you're thinking sliced bread? Is this our biggest invention? Hey, guys, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you the expression. So if something is the best thing since sliced bread, es la bomba. And it wasn't until 1928 that they invented this machine to slice bread. So however you slice it or dice it, <laughs> okay, not very funny. Pongas como lo pongas, however you slice it or dice it, bread has been around since the beginning of time. And it's only getting bigger and bigger as time goes on. I hope you enjoyed today's program. I hope you think this show is the best thing since sliced bread. And I hope you'll join us on the next episode of FYI.